Um, then we go to Mean Gene running down the Sur- Survivor Series card. Dave, is everything okay? I, I'm getting myself back. I can't even hear you. Can you hear me now? Dave, you there? Can you hear Can you hear me now? Dave, are you there? Hello. I'm here. Can you hear me now? Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Dave. Can you hear me? I think you're on Hello? mute or something. I can't hear a damn word. I'm not on mute. Dave. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Hello. Hello. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 26, brought to you in part by the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I am one half of your hosts, Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out at Two, and joining me, as always, the mad scientist of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Mr. Gaijin Wrestling Radio himself, Mr. Hulkamania is dead, Kobe Knight. What's going on, buddy? Hey, what's up, brother, brother, brother? How's it going? Uh, Nice Saturday morning in the fall. It gets harder to wake up earlier on these days, I feel like, right? So basically what you're saying is we need to come up with a new time to record? (laughs) No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's, it's harder to wake up these days, but there's wrestling always there. Like as a kid, I felt like I woke up just in time for wrestling, you know? Yeah. You got to sleep in just in time, you know, you know? I, th- I thought it was like some little subliminal message you were sending me like, hey, let's come up with a new recording schedule because this shit ain't going to work. No, 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 no. I, lo- I, I, I like it the day of. It's, it's kind of cool. Um, okay. So anyhow, yeah, I'm just I, – I, I want wrestling in the mornings again, but not like too early, like 10 o'clock, you know? Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good time frame, yeah. For a good while I mean, there, WWE I did watch- tried to do that once. Well, I did watch the WWE, um, what was it called, like, this weekend, just because I didn't really watch their programming, and that was enough for me on on Saturday. Yeah, but they would kind of do that with their their superstar show near the end. You know, it was kind of, it kind of ended up being like a recap show. Do you remember Saturday Morning Slam? Yes. Yes, I do. Bringing it back. Yeah. That's what we do here. Yeah. Yeah, bring it back to 2013 when that shit fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. They tried to recreate that Saturday wrestling by doing Saturday morning slam. And I remember there was like a rule. There was like no head blows and, you know, no like excessive taunting. I'm like, what's this? The fucking NFL? Like, yeah, they would actually real. cut around. They would cut around the blows. Um, yeah. It, the, that's how they kind of came up with that new kevin dunn way of cutting during the impact of a blow which kind of like yeah uh, takes it all out of the wrestling for me anyhow getting oh, into yeah, some here. good wrestling you want to uh tell everybody what's going on the wrestling that you've been covering uh we got some episodes that dropped of kicking out at two recently the cosplay gimmick cosplay um started listening to that one i also did the watch along for uh saturday night's main event that was a fun one dave 
Oh yeah. Oh, very you. cool. Very cool. I, I I'll be honest with you. I um, you're the first person that has ever told me that they have sat through a watch along um, of one of mine uh, on kicking out at two. Um, honest to God, no bullshit. Because uh, you know I don't really get much feedback. Um, from people i always tell people to give me feedback on, on my shows you know what i mean I'm, I'm very you know oh, i'm very open to it and uh you know i always want to hear what people think and um you're the first person that sold me that they've actually sat through a watch along so um i appreciate actually no i'm sorry you're the second person i apologize i hate i hate doing that my buddy dennis who joined me for that particular watch along has um has done a few of those and sat through and watched them while he's listened and um so yeah um i appreciate it i really do yeah, I mean, it was, it was forty. It was, nice. it was like over forty minutes or so. It was a nice right. little smaller, you know, not not too long. Sometimes I can get a little carried away, and I'll do, oh, let's do a pay per view watch party, and it'll be two and a half, almost three hours long, and I'm like, what the fuck was I thinking, right. <laughs> you know? But um, you know, I try to I try to appease you know everyone that, that that's into that sort of thing. But no, I appreciate it. Yeah, that Saturday night's main event watch along from November the fourteenth, nineteen ninety two, which is kind of in our. Weekend Warriors timeline, even though kicking out of two jumped a little bit ahead. Um, that was a lot of fun. You could find that in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, you um, can just, just search Retromania with a W. Or you can, yeah, or you can just wait till that actual day itself, November the 14th, and you can watch it then. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, Dennis and I, uh, we had fun doing that. And uh, that was the last time that WWE had. Uh, produced a major event on fox before um you know the the smackdown debut on fox a few weeks ago um and then the, this coming you mentioned it earlier gimmick cosplay dennis and i we um he joined me once again and uh, i gave him a little like gimmick cosplay challenge of sorts where i took um uh, I gave him a, a, a name of a gimmick and how many other personas did that person portray? He had to figure that out himself. So for instance, um, the disciple who was like the disciple of Hollywood Hogan in the NWO black and white, who did he portray in other personas in the world of professional wrestling? Well, he was Brutus, the barber beefcake Zodiac. He was the, huh? The Zodiac. I'm sorry. The Zodiac. the Zodiac, the man with no name, the butcher, brother Brutus, Ed Boulder, the booty man. I mean, the list goes on and on. So Dizzy we had a Boulder. lot of fun doing that. I, I didn't know that. Where was that from? Uh, that was like when he first came in with Hulk. Oh, Dizzy Boulder. Oh, so that was like the territory days, like down in Florida? Yeah. Okay. Dizzy All and right. Terry so, yeah, Boulder. That's, uh, that, yeah, that's way beyond my pay grade. Um <laughs> But yeah, we had a lot of fun doing that. There was there was some fun stuff Dennis didn't even know. Um, you'll have to go check it out um, uh, over in the archives at the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And then next week we get into the Halloween theme, the Halloween spirit, with our Trading Places series making its return. It's been a while since I've uh, done a Trading Places, and uh, <laughs> we'll bring it back to the month of October with Halloween Havoc 1994 on the 25-year anniversary of that event taking place. Um, for those of you familiar. Trading Places is a series where we take an event and we play role reversal and we swap the results and we see how the trajectory of the winners and losers would take us. So, for instance, the main event of that pay-per-view was Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, world title, steel cage, both careers on the line. Well, Hulk Hogan was brand new into WCW, fresh into WCW, you know, earlier that summer. So what if... 
what if Ric Flair were to have actually retired Hulk Hogan in 1994 at that pay-per-view? We talk about that match and all the other matches on that card with our signature role reversal for Trading Places, Halloween Havoc 1994, next week on Kicking Out at 2. And if you want to find all those archive shows, you can find them at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on Podbean. You can also find them on our social media pages, both Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out at 2, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out 2. Yes, indeed, folks. And going on this month for uh, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, I'm going to have Match of the Month coming up soon. And then a special bonus spooky episode. A very spooky, scary episode. (laughs) I I run down like uh, a list of one of my favorite uh, stipulation matches that's kind of grave, if you will. Anyhow, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. So join me on that uh, for a retrospective podcast there. And everything else you can find, like Dave said, on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. You can search us on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. You can join in on Facebook, Facebook at Retromania. Um, we we post some videos and some funny memes up there, uh, s- some stuff like I don't know, Jake with his uh, vacuum cleaner and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was a good one for the seven people that get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll get it. You'll get it once you review this. So, anyhow, um, yeah, uh, check all that out. You can write to us retromaniapodcast at gmail dot com and uh, join in the fun on Twitter as well. Retromania Pod. Yeah, and without that. Without further ado, let's get into this um, this episode of Marking Out the Days officially. This is episode 26, covering the week of October 17th, 1992. Before we cover WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night, we like to do a little thing here where we uh, get a one and done for the week of the Wednesday Night War that's going on right now uh, between AEW Dynamite and WWE's NXT. Dave, you wanna you wanna start us off with the one and done and kind of give us a little yeah rundown. What grabbed my attention? Yeah, this week um, there were actually two things that grabbed my attention. I couldn't really choose which one. Um, it was between the showcasing of women's wrestling over the over both shows because I felt like women had a really strong uh, hold on the on the on the television screen for both shows this past week. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what really caught me was the main event of AEW, Jericho defending the AEW world title against Darby Allin. Um, I really enjoyed the match. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Jericho played a good heel. Always does. But, I mean, Darby Allin, just a very innovative um, character, a fresh face on the scene. Um, I just recently watched a documentary on Viceland called The Wrestlers regarding um, like indie wrestling, and they've had a big feature on him. You can go find that on Viceland, um, the Viceland Network, I believe, um, or, or you can YouTube it. It's the first episode of that series. Some crazy stuff that he used to do for Gabe Sapolsky's Evolve uh, promotion. Um, 
but I was just impressed with what he did Wednesday night against Jericho. Um, I've seen some clips of him, but I never have actually watched him live on television. And the match he had with Jericho was a lot of fun when Jericho duct taped his wrist behind his back and he continued his, his, his offensive maneuvers, you know, off the top rope and the planches through the ropes. Oh, and incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just some really, really fun stuff. Um, I, I, I really, really enjoyed the match and I look forward to seeing what – what Darby Allen's going to bring to AEW um, in the near future. The only thing I could say is, is that um, regarding his style, yes, it's very um, eye-opening and eye-catching, you know, the, the, the hardcore style, the, the high-risk maneuvers, but he's going to fucking kill himself. And I, I really want to see, you know, him succeed and, and grow and prosper in, in, the, in, the, in the industry, but he keeps doing all the crazy shit he's doing, my God. Like, he's not going to have much of a career. Like JR um, said, he, he won't be able to see his 52nd birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, so ho- hopefully hopefully he finds a good comfort level where he can still do some of that stuff and not be um not be so uh, you know, risky with it. Um yeah, so that's what really caught my eye was Jericho and Darby Allen. I really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun watching it. Hope to see it again. Because there was a, there was that finish at the end with with Jake Hager getting involved, and people might complain about that too, like oh he he got involved in the match and you know it was a bullshit finish. Well, I mean it is wrestling, so you know let's let's not kid ourselves here. I mean come on, so but yeah, a lot of fun. That's my one and done. Darby and Jericho. Awesome, very cool. Um, I um, it's weird because we're doing it. I'm not trying to do it two weeks in a row, but it, I I found the. The tag team action on Dynamite was great. Um, there was, you know, we, we dealt with a lot of the tag team tournament, but the main event uh-huh. of both shows were hard to pick from, man. That Pete Dunne and uh, Damian Priest or Punishment yes. Martinez match, that blew me away. I've, I've always, that was good. I've always been appreciative of uh, Damian Priest or Punishment Martinez, but he improved tenfold with with working with Pete Dunn. And I also just think it's the way Pete Dunn is as a wrestler. He can, that bruiserweight style, him being small, he can let the big guy get some leverage on him and take control, but he can also just in a heartbeat or in a snap of a finger, <laughs> see what I did there? He can switch everything. Um, it Like, I think that match kind of stole it for me as a wrestling purist. Um, okay. Uh, without the, you know, there was, there was a shitty finish for both endings of the shows. Um, you know what I'm saying? Not a shitty finish, but uh, Damian Priest mm-hmm. had to kick Pete Dunne in the balls, and then Jack Hager had to, Jake Hager had to get in, involved with Chris Jericho's match against Darby Allen. I'm going to have to go with the, um, man, I, I'm i going to have to go with the Darby Allen, though, because that just was, uh, I hadn't seen a guy, or I hadn't seen that done and work. They must have used Gaffer's tape because that tape held on all the way through. Um, yeah. And he took some bumps. And I, I think uh-huh. when he got slammed, when Darby got slammed on that uh, skateboard, he landed on his knuckles, like folded up. Oh, so I don't know if he broke his fingers or not, but that looked painful. Um, yeah. I will say just for... Um, purist versus uh innovativeness or something that's exciting uh i'll i'll have to go with the allen and jericho main event but overall great shows you and i discussed this kind of analog or text uh wise they're kind of two different shows at this point 
but I love it. It's two different flavors. Yeah. Um, you, you, I, I, no, I agree. I, I do think though that, um, that I, I, as much as I really enjoy the underground vibe of NXT and the look of it being at full sale, I do think that they need to step out of there, um, fairly soon and kind of move into, um, a, a larger setting. I'm not saying like a 15 or 20,000 seat arena, but like if they were to like work in like a 5,000 seat building, um, or even like you know, like a like a college basketball arena, something smaller. Um, I think it would it would come off well in their presentation. I just don't think that. Um, I, I think I didn't think I was going to feel this way, but after watching it recently and then watching AEW as well, the perception AEW has is that they are a bigger deal because they are taking they're putting their show on in a larger setting, whereas right. full sale looks. You know what I mean? Like as great as that crowd is, and they're 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 great. It just the perception wise, it looks like it's a smaller, not, you know, Bush League, but yeah. minor league look to it. Well, it's um, it's bringing back the, that kind of a studio feel of wrestling without the studio. Um, so yeah, we're just, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I get what you're saying. And I do want to make one comment and then we can move on um, sure. regarding your, uh, your your take on Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne reminds me a lot of Shawn Michaels. And, and, and hear me out. I'm talking about when Shawn Michaels worked with big guys. Shawn Michaels brought the best out of big men. Pete Dunne has done that on more than one occasion. Yes. He did it the other night with Damian Priest, but he also did it with Walter at the at the takeover in Brooklyn earlier this still year. Still my match which of the I'm year. Still, yeah, same here. Same here. The, the psychology with the fingers, I had never seen anything like it before, and I was, like, amazed. I thought that it was just going to be a runaway, that they were going to have Walter steamroll over him, and I was. I, I still think it's match of the year, in my opinion. I'll, I'll put that and Cody and Dustin, like, neck and neck, head-to-head as, like, the match of the year so far. But, um, yeah, I was just uh, – his his the way he can bring the best out of big guys – like to me, that reminds me a lot of what Shawn Michaels was able to do in his in his prime. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I think <coughs> if you're, like you said, NXT, maybe going to like a basketball arena, maybe like I don't know, come up here to UMBC, right by me. Just that'd be cool. Just stay here forever. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, no, uh, the UMBC arena was um, it was like a basketball arena for a college. And it, that's where we went to see uh, ROH final battle um, or best in the world. I'm sorry. And that was great. Yep. That, it, it was, you know, I could see a show being filmed there and making it look larger um, than what it is. So, yeah. I can Clearly, see them running like Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City or even true. the old Manhattan Center where they used to tape the Monday Night Raws from, you know, 93. Like, true, I can but see then, like places like that. You but know? then you're dealing with a different um, crowd. But that crowd would appreciate NXT more. They're, that's kind of like tailor-made for what NXT is. You know what I mean? Okay. Like they're that like s- smarter, indie, smart mark. You know, stay on the internet all day with a fucking box of tissues next to the keyboard kind of guy. Like that's yeah. like that's that's yeah, that's what they are. You know. So, right. um, <laughs> but yeah, let's 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 let, let, let's let's get away let's from get the current this. stuff and let's go back. Let's go let's go back to 1992. Um, that's the time traveling car. Here we oh, okay. are. I thought that was like you, I thought you were about to introduce like that was your way of saying superstars. Like it was just this long drawn out. 
Like, okay. No, that's cool. The time traveling car. All right. Uh, the magic school bus. Did you get I mean, a register with sorry. DMV yet? No, it's the magic school bus. Uh, we had to get the uh, okay. tires changed. So I just switched oh, the right. license plate. Shh. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> all right. October 17th, wow. 1992, we start off with WWF Superstars. We start the show off with Mean Gene on a podium in front of the audience, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, the new WWF champion, Brett the Hitman Hart. Whoa, what the hell? What, where did this come from? Brett, you were born for this moment. You were born for this thing. Brett dedicates this moment to all the fans and all his, and he says, even the biggest dreams can still come true. Like uh, Dave's dream of calling Brett on uh, shit-talking people last week. And guess what? With Within like a day, Brett uh, shit-talked some people. <laughs> that was pretty good, man. Dreams hey, do come true. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Brett Hart is our new WWF champion. That's cool. Uh, mean Gene talks about Brett's determination and says... Um, Brett has, you know, has had his share of wins and losses, and he's had to wait a lifetime for that one single chance. And then Brett thanks every single wrestler that he's ever wrestled with. He thanks Ric Flair, even, for stepping in the ring with him that night and giving him that chance. And he thanks the fans and the friends, and he thanks God above. And the fans go crazy and wild, and that's the opening segment of WWF Superstars. Wow, some uh, surprising stuff there turn of events yeah that was um it it was it was it was a good way to start the show because you know it was it was breaking news i guess you could say for those that you know watch superstars on a regular basis um i vaguely remember this as a as a as a youngster um that like i was like wait a minute Bret Hart is the champ. Like he was nowhere near the WWF title contention. Like you know, like I, I looked at him as even as a kid. Like, well, that's Intercontinental Champion right there. You know, even though he didn't have the title, so it was a big surprise to me, and it was a it was a, a real sudden change that um, you know I, I was l- looking at him as the WWF champion. So I do. Re- I don't know if it was this episode that I remember watching as a kid or. It was that moment where they made the announcement that he won the title, and I was like, "Woo!" Just kind of taken aback by it because he was nowhere near Ric Flair or any of that stuff. Like they didn't even really come up with a reasonable explanation as to how he got a title shot in the first place. No, not at all, because he had just lost a big match to a British Bulldog and lost the Intercontinental title, and then had that curse in a possible feud with Papa Shango brewing. So, yeah, interesting stuff there came out of nowhere. I I vaguely recall as a kid being surprised kind of too, like watching in succession of like the tapes being released because I had to play catch up too. I was like, whoa, when was Brett the champion? And then it took him forever to get it back, it seemed like, uh, to beat Yokozuna. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, we, we go to Vince and Mr. Perfect. And Vince says, yes, what a glorious occasion. Last Monday night in Saskatoon, Bret Hart became the new WWF champion. And Mr. Perfect says that Slick Rick was feeling sick and he still went in the ring. And that's probably why he lost the match. And then Mr. Perfect grabs Vince and nearly punches him for laughing at him. Some stuff you don't see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was a little different from them. Vince, uh, Um, Vince letting him get his hands on him. 
Now, we may I may be going off the beaten path here, but um, they kind of alluded to in this opening segment that Vince was not that, or Vince at least kind of mentioned it and was kind of stirring it up that you know, Perfect wasn't really happy with Flair taking the match, and then he advised him not to do it. Um, Vaguely, which. Yeah, it was vague, but like perfect you know, kind you, of sold really... him. Like I told him no, I told Slick Rick no, but he still kind of, you know, he he had to put him so over let me, too. So, so so let me ask you this: Let me bring it back around. Even though I'm kind of going a little bit off the beaten path here, Mister Perfect eventually would join forces with Macho Man as a last minute replacement due to Ultimate Warrior's firing over the over the drug test results. Do you think? That they were they were already putting plans in place to get to get us to that point because they knew Warriors drug test results already and they were just kind of riding things out. Or do you think that regardless of Warriors drug test results, they were going to plan to do something with Perfect and Flair after Survivor Series and it would start with this with this little interaction here with the, with this. I guess you could say this this little nugget of information that Vince kind of threw out there regarding Flair's title loss. I think it could have been uh, plans for a slow burn, and then, yeah, also CYA, okay. cover your ass, just in, just yep. in case uh, some guy named Warrior, that's no first or no last name, just Warrior, you know, I'm just saying. And the guy, a guy named Warrior, you know, he's going to trip out and fuck your whole uh, card up and your plans up. So, yeah, I I um I think it was a CYA move, but also kind of like a, a slow burn, like, and they just pulled the mm-hmm. trigger on it, just uh just kind of seeing if something's there, like they try something out and they just see if there's anything there that that people would would be interested in, and then they'll further build it along. Yeah, not even that. Like maybe they knew they figured after uh Survivor Series we would eventually get uh Flair and Perfect. Okay, so uh, okay. We, we I just want to get your take on it. But yeah, yeah, I'm sorry to within the weeks the too. Here. I'll have some questions too because I don't know the direction of the maniacs. Like, what were the kind of plans? You know, we'll we'll get to mm-hmm. it once we get there. But let's let's continue. Okay. I'm sorry to no, sorry fine. to take you on no. that. that. Um, uh, Ric Flair is gonna step into the ring with Bret Hart one more time, and he'll win that title back. We'll see if that'll ever happen. Um. Let's go to the opening match. Out to the ring with Sensational Sherry, it's Shawn Michaels out to face Steve Gillespie. Vince says Shawn is one of the most technical wrestlers in the WWF, and the most technical wrestler, though, is uh, is Bret Hart because, um, you know, he's the champion. So Vince is already building that in his head. He's like, these two guys, these two guys. I mean, we've already seen him feud earlier in the year, but he already sees that chemistry there. Vince tries yeah. to say Brett uh, beat Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair, who is Mr. Perfect's protege, Vince says. <laughs> he calls Ric Flair Mr. Perfect's protege. That's funny. Anyhow, they both lost to Bret Hart. With a sharpshooter. So, uh, yeah, Vince says that's ironic. And Mr. Perfect's like, I guess. Uh, Yeah, because it's not really ironic. Anyhow, during the match, there is some good stuff with 
the mirror. I like how Shawn Michaels and Cherry use the mirror to taunt his opponent, Steve Gillespie. We get a crescent kick from Sean to Steve, and then a, Scott, a side scoop suplex. One, two, three, Sean goes over, moving on the card. We go to a commercial and back. It's Tatanka and his opponent, Brian Jewell. Yeah, Vince is on commentary. He mentions again that the officiating in the WWF has gotten more strict and that's probably part of the reason that Bret Hart is the new WWF champion, because you, Mr. Perfect, and Mr. Flair couldn't cheat. So, I, I guess, I don't know, you're, you're trying to build a lot of excuses for Bret beating Rick. I don't know, have some faith in the guy, maybe you don't. Eh, anyhow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, the... I'm still trying to figure out how the officiating comes into play with the... The whole how they how they're trying to tie the referee thing in there with uh, kind of talked about it last week a little bit too with um uh you know the inclusion of slaughter as like the 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 person you know upholding the rules uh how does how does that play into the finish of Brett and Flair because I mean there didn't seem to be any referee shenanigans in that match if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't think so. So I, I, I don't know. Unless they're they're trying to like foreshadow something else, but I don't know. We'll see. Tatanka wins with an Indian Samoan Islander brown skin man backdrop. Um, that's what I call it. One, two, three. He goes over. Eee! Then we go to. <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Did you catch that? Was that your like your war cry? Your battle cry. Yeah. Your, your, your... <laughs> you didn't like that? <laughs> no, that was a that was a solid attempt at making me laugh, but that Sorry. was about it. <laughs> you don't have to apologize, dude. Just don't tell any Owen Hart jokes this week. Okay. okay? Sorry. Uh, we go to update with Mean Gene. And no, it's not Mean Gene. Replacing him, it's Lord Alfred Hayes. Uh <laughs> He can. You sound, you sound like Fat Albert trying to do a Lord Alfred Hayes impression. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Promotional consideration paid for by the. Hey, hey, hey. All right. Lord Alfred Hayes. Oh my goodness. He congratulates Brett on becoming the new WWF champion, and then he tosses to the ultimate maniacs who's the macho man and the ultimate warrior and they congratulate bret hart as well in their promo wait didn't warrior just want the title though uh, I'm, I'm sorry didn't that's what i macho thought. man just say that warrior was gonna go for the title too where are we going here what, what's going on I, I think you're right maybe they know something that we don't know and times or booking it is a change in daddy Steroids. Warrior Macho Man say, see ya at Survivor Series, Razor and Flair. So they're going to face uh, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair getting ready for that match. And then Lord Alfred Hayes tosses to Perfect, Flair, and Razor Ramon. And Flair is great here. Once again, things are off kilter. And when things are off kilter, like he takes advantage. It's awesome. Um, yeah. Brett. All you've done is added fuel to the fire. And then Razor tells them to gear it up 
and take all that anger and frustration and we're going to bottle it up and we're going to give it to you. Yeah, Ric Flair explains. <laughs> then <laughs> then Ric Flair, during the same promo, explains the word anxiety because I'm sure a lot of people in 1992 are just realizing that they have anxiety in America. He says, <laughs> he's like, anxiety is one of the most things that Americans suffer from around the world. And he has to, you know, he's like, that's when you worry about something. You know something's going to happen. He goes, we coming to get you. Woo. It's a great little promo here from those three. I like the, uh, the dynamic of um, the coolness of Razor and then the hypeness of Flair. It's funny about the Razor's in, in, uh, involvement in this promo is he sounds like he's pretending to be a therapist giving advice. He's like, you're going to take that anxiety <laughs> and bottle it up and then give it to you, man. Like, like he's like, like Razor, like the Razor Ramon character is auditioning for a partner movie to play a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he sounded like. He's like, you're going to bottle it up and then we're going to give it to you. Like, <laughs> I just found it funny. Sorry. Yeah, no. Continue. Um, we go to the ring with Big Boss Man coming down to go against Barry Horowitz, everybody. Barry's kind of working like a chicken shit heel jobber in this match. I didn't know he was a he was necessarily heel. I always thought he was kind of a face, but whatever. Really? Yeah. I, I, you thought Barry Horowitz was a baby face? Come on, that's got to be a joke, I right? don't know. I thought he was like a joke baby face. I didn't know. A joke baby face? Like so like patting yourself on the back is a baby face kind of move? I guess not. I just thought he was like dorky. I don't know. Okay. <sighs> yeah. Teach his own. I'm just I, I've never heard that before. That's why I kind of said that. So, all right. Sorry, continue. We get a I'm a, I'm a dick this week. I no, apologize. We get I don't a, mean to be. We get a picture and picture promo of It's my wrestling Tourette's just coming out. <laughs> We get a picture-in-picture promo during this match. Boss Man is saying that, Nails, your reign of crime and terror is coming to a halt. And Sergeant Slaughter, I'm glad you're not the only one enforcing the rules in the WWF. Sweet. Yeah. He's he's giving Sergeant, Slatter, Sergeant Slaughter the old pat on the back. Um, boss Man slammed to Barry, one, two, three, and then he pulls out the handcuffs and cuffs Barry to the bottom rope. Not very facey of him. No, not at all. Figure it out, guys. Figure it out. Which one are you? Anyhow, we have... He was proud of his work, too, because when he ran up the aisle, he stopped when the video screen showed um, his... his um, Sidewalk his, slam. Uh, his, police, his police brutality. Yes. He was very, very proud of that. <laughs> See my fine work there? Hashed- Hashtag Barry Horowitz life matters. Oh my God. <laughs> First he gets insulted by Kobe Nida oh, thinking that he's a baby face. Then the big boss man handcuffs him to the bottom rope and beats him like it's 2019. Christ. My goodness. Good thing it wasn't like a uh, hardworking Bobby Walker working against boss man or something. That was um hard body Harrison. Sorry. Either or. Yeah, I know. We hard body, hard working, hard pimping, 
Child molesting? Yeah, it's so, it's so confusing. We'll get to that later. <laughs> we have Vince and Mr. Perfect in front of the green screen, and Vince is pimping Bret Hart as the champion again. Jesus, get off his nuts. Um, Perfect tosses Vince's headset. He would, 97. <laughs> Mr. Perfect tosses Vince's headset off of his head, like slapping him by the head. And, oh, that was good. And Vince acts like a little pussy. And uh, Perfect says that Flair's going to get the title back. Wow, just some... That's that's rare that you see Vince acting like that. Because... Uh, he, he let the talent get over yeah. on him because he wasn't an important part of the show. That's great. Yes. Nowadays, you did that to Vince, forget it. He'd fucking be the champion in 20 minutes. Then we go to Event Center with Sean Mooney. He tosses to the Nasty Boys and Jimmy Hart. And they have only one team left to beat. And it's the natural disasters. And they say Jimmy made them the number one contenders for the tag team titles. Wait a second. Okay, I guess he's just skipping over Money, Inc. Sure, we'll see. Uh, this is a, there's going to be a nasty storm coming the way of the natural disasters. All right. We shall see when that match takes place. I guess Jimmy picked the nasty boys. Wink. Then we will go to Kim Chi, Harvey Whippleman, and Kamala. Their master plan is coming together. They fooled The Undertaker and Paul Bearer. They think that he's scared of the casket. Well, he he fooled them. So, uh, yeah, at Survivor Series, they're going to squish The Undertaker. Okay, we'll see. Uh, we go to a commercial and come back, and coming to the ring, it's the Intercontinental Champion British Bulldog David Boy Smith. Uh, he's going against big, strong Jim Peterson. Jim Peterson has some uh, jock issues with his tights during throughout the whole match. It kind of took me out of it. When someone's like correcting their gear constantly during a match, it kind of like really fucks with me. Anyhow. We get a running power slam from British Bulldog. Bill Alfonso counts one, two, three. That's it for that one. Now Davey can go back to the locker room and smoke. <laughs> Next. Yes. Then we go to a photo album and another video package of Bob Backlund. He's giving up his construction business and he must return. He's got to do what he's got to do. And then they go to a clip I posted on the Retromania page. I saw that video. It's just <laughs> Bob Backlund nailing drywall in. Okay, no power drill, I guess, at this time in 1992. He's doing it old school style. He's a country boy. <laughs> he's nailing drywall into hey. the ceiling. And his, his uh, I guess, coworker or employee goes, sure are going to miss you, Bob. Or, gee, we are going to miss gonna you, I'm going to miss you, too. And he goes, I'm going to miss you, too. <laughs> Well, I'm going to miss this business, but I got to do what I got to do. And that's it. I'm like, Jesus Christ. You guys probably filmed for three hours, too. That's all they got. Oh, yeah. Bob Backlund. It was so rehearsed. It wasn't even funny. It was the worst. And they picked the, like, that guy probably did that line 50 times, and that was the best take. <laughs> Bob Backlund with them Jesus Christ uh, carpentry skills yes. over there, nailing the drywall to the fucking ceiling. Yeah, because Home Depot and Lowe's wasn't open in the nineties. All right. Okay. Then we go to Mean Gene running down the Survivor Series card. He is um, 
talking about the main event, the tag team match, the Ultimate Maniacs going against Razor Ramon, Ric Flair, and Mr. Perfect in their corner. And then, get this, there's going to be a coffin match between The Undertaker and Kamala. Yeah, we toss to The Undertaker and Paul Bear. Yeah, Kamala, you've run, you've hid, and now you have to run in the ring. But don't worry, you'll be pushed out in a coffin. Why would he run to the ring? Anyhow, he's been running away for a while. They've been booking this coffin match. This is the first coffin match in the WWF, too. So everybody's very hyped for it. Different to say the least, if you will, for gimmicks. You have to... Because they were doing body bag matches for a while, yeah. right? Yeah, so this one you have to yeah. pin the opponent or submit them and then put them into the uh, coffin and close the lid. Oh, okay, so it's not just throw them in the coffin. you got to pin them, then put them in. Yeah. Okay. So this isn't actually the first coffin match. Uh, Dusty Rhodes and Ivan Koloff actually had a one-off dust uh, coffin match in the 70s, I believe. Really? Yeah. Hey, so if you guys want to know more about coffin matches, uh, stay tuned for that special bonus episode of Retromania. Halloween spooky. Spectacular. Anyhow. All right. Little cheap plug there. Then an eight-man tag match is going to happen there. It's the Natural Disasters and the Bushwhackers teaming to go against Money and Ink and Money Inc. and Beverly Brothers. With the genius, this one's a little different, though, because if one member gets pinned, both members of the tag team are eliminated from the match. So a little different than their typical Survivor Series, uh, like we talked about before. They kind of change it up, and we, we're, we're uh, Survivor Series purists. But, uh, yeah. Slight, slightly different, but at the same time, a throwback to the rules when, um, if you remember the the... The very first Survivor Series. Yeah, eight uh, teams against eight teams. It was like 10. Yeah, it was like five teams against five teams. So it was 20 guys. And once your tag partner was pinned, you were also eliminated. So they kind of took a throwback to the tag team Survivor Series matches, but just on a smaller scale with the, when it came to the rules. Yeah. So that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. And then we tossed to... The Bushwhackers and the Natural Disasters yelling and screaming. I'm glad that's something that hasn't come back in wrestling that people want back for nostalgia's sake. Jesus Christ. Ye- What's that? Yelling and screaming promos where everybody's just like, ah, yeah, ah. Nowadays we have a little bit of more like comprehension or like it's a slower pace for wrestling uh, promos, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. you don't see you don't see as much of that, um, but when you do, it's um, it, it it comes across as different. Yes. Um, plan to see this Thanksgiving Eve, November twenty fifth. That's right, they're changing it up. It's not the uh, show that's going to air on Thanksgiving. It's going to be Thanksgiving Eve. Switching it up a little bit. We go to a commercial and come back. It's Bobby St. Laurent and Jim Powers in the ring to face Money, Inc. And the fans pop because on the video wall, trademark, that's Vince's video wall, goddammit. It's not like that WCW entertainment system. There's the natural disasters. (laughs) The laser disc. It had a reel-to-reel player. Confirmed. It did. Um... 
there i don't you know that's for the audio that's some old school shit there anyhow uh yeah. there is the natural disasters holding the titles on the video wall behind money inc as they walk out sick burn sick burn for 1992 money inc was pretty mad about yes. it yeah he did Yes. Then we have a picture-in-picture picture promo during this match of the Genius and the Beverly Brothers. And did the Genius say anything clever by chance, Dave? Um, you know what? The Genius didn't. Re- the gen- I think the Genius is catching on to my my dick sucking jokes because <laughs> each each week he seems like he's just like he he wants to get his intro in quick in and out like he's not you know he, he's. He's just—he's not going on and on. So I, yeah. I think—I think the genius has caught on to to to, to my shtick here he because has. it's been a while since I've, yeah. It's yeah been he, a, I mean, I really can't get anything. I can't get—I can't get a good, you know, good line out of him. And you know, he just kind of leaves it up to the Beverly Brothers. So I mean, maybe he's—you know—maybe he's all dicked out. I don't know. Oh man, maybe he—he—he he, he was dicked down too much. Um, yeah, he dicked himself down. Yes, he. Uh, yeah, he has kind of. Re- held it back on the reins too as far as uh being over the top it was like here they are the beverly brothers i'll go suck my dick in the corner over here (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) you know it's like real quick like yeah just kind of you know yeah the beverly brothers then respond with the other teams won't survive very original then we get a huge power slam from ted dibiase and then, oh my God, IRS hits this dude with the hu- the hardest like clothesline, like the clothesline from I guess hell, which is like I don't know where's the where's the place the write off yeah the places that they do your taxes um, the comptrollers the cl- the clothesline from the comptroller's office anyhow uh, TurboTax yes <laughs> or H and R Block I don't know or H and R Cock Block <laughs> there we go. But IRS just kills this dude with that clothesline. One, two, three. And Vince then congratulates, guess who? Bret Hart, one more time. Jesus Christ. All right. Then we go to Sean Mooney in the event center, and he tosses to high energy. And hey, you know what? We don't just do a little bit of high energy in the ring. We fly around to the towns and visit all the fans, says Owen. And then Owen signs us off and he says, we're going to give you, um, you know what we're going to give you fans and we're going to give you a hundred percent. But Coco thinks that he's going to say high energy instead of a hundred percent. So when, when Owen says a hundred percent, Coco goes, ha, and he just stops himself. I I taped it. (laughs) I'm going to put it on the, the facebook page it's the funniest thing ever because coco just says ha it's very good and he realizes energy no no energy he's just high today he's just waving hi to his fans then we go to (laughs) sean michaels and sherry martell and he says it isn't easy being him it's a lot of pressure and he's got news for us jack oh man first time i hear some news from sean he starts that phrase, he's got news for us in 1992, and he uses it till the bitter end. He's been walking around here breaking hearts all over the town, and he deserves what he wants, and that's the Intercontinental Championship. So, Bulldog, look out. We go to one last commercial, and we come back, and then we get the rundown for P. 
people coming up next week, we're going to get some more Survivor Series matches announced. Crush will be in action, Papa Shango, The Undertaker, Nails, and The Natural Disasters. Eh, decent episode of Superstars. Um, kind of cool with the surprise at the beginning of Bret Hart winning the title. We didn't get a recap of how it happened yet, so you're still kind of intrigued of what happened. You get the uh, tension building between Perfect and Flair, possibly, and then you get uh, more promo stuff from the Ultimate Maniacs. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Five out of ten, if I'm getting giving it a yeah, I... Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, the the I think what what makes this show interesting is the revelation that Brett became the champion. So, um, everything else is just kind of moving along, I guess you could say. Yep. Yeah. So that was as it. we move along to to uh, WCW Saturday Night six oh five WTBS same date October the seventeenth nineteen ninety two. We open here with uh, Tony Schiavone narrating uh, a video package uh, previewing tonight's show as we have Brian Pillman and Shane Douglas on deck. We also have um, Eric Watts' debut. They'll be uh, continuing the discussion regarding the tension, or lack thereof, between Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, the unified tag team champions, and in our main event, stunning Steve Austin, challenging Scott Steiner for the world television title. Mm. Um Get the usual hype from JR to open the show, and then we go to Brian Pillman against Shane Douglas in our opening match. Um, this was a slow match for me to watch. Uh, I, I was expecting a little more. Um, Pillman worked a slower style and seemed to have the majority of the control over Shane um, as the heel with a lot of rest holds, but you get your occasional high spot. Um, the crowd was into Douglas, I will say. Um, as much as they were into giving shit to Brian Pillman when Pillman was putting the heat on. Um, and the match seems to pick up, up towards pace. the end. Yeah, it kind of picked up pace towards the end. Um, both guys fighting out to the floor, and then the, the finish comes when Pillman rams Shane Douglas into the ring post for the disqualification loss. We get referees and uh, Jake the Snake's molesting father coming out to try and break it up. Um, Jesus. Just had to throw that in there because I noticed right away. Um, well, that's why. Like, yep, here he comes. <laughs> you know what his here punishment, he comes. His punishment was he he'd had to wear a coal miner's glove for the rest of his life. Yeah, pretty gotcha. much. He was like, if you don't suck my dick, boy, <laughs> you know, if you don't suck my dick, boy, you're gonna wear that coal oh, miner's glove. You Jake had think. to jerk his dad off with the coal miner's glove. Jake had to jerk his dad. Is you just said or Jake? Jake had to jerk his dad. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that ain't no cobra. <laughs> That's why he wears the gloves. We're going stuff. to hell. Reminder. We're, yeah. It's a reminder. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, uh, referees and uh, uh, Jake's father come out to break it up, and then Shane delivers a belly to belly suplex to Brian Pillman on the floor, gets a huge pop from the studio audience cool. as we go into commercial break. Yeah, that was a pretty cool spot. Um, you know, I never understood how referees and officials come out to try and break things up and they never seem to manage to get things under control. Like 
in the history of all wrestling like for real like referees and and officials they just can't break it up like two guys just trying to go after each other these every single time they always manage to get by like how do 12 motherfuckers not stop one person i don't get it like i just don't understand it like they should all be fired for real yeah that's like referee logic i love it i love it yeah, or lack thereof, yeah. I should say. Um, we come back from the break, and we see Brian Pillman getting helped um, to the back by a bunch of random jobbers as JR um, shows us the replay of the belly-to-belly that took place on the floor. Um, and then we get a video package of Eric Watts um, giving us highlights Yeah, of a recent match that didn't really impress me one bit. Um, and then we go to commercial. And come back from commercial, and it's the Z-Man with hard-working Robbie Walker taking on Big Jim Bryant and Fred Avery. Basically, this is what the dynamic of this match was. The big, fat jobber heels, they just can't keep up and wrestle with the athletic, good-looking baby faces. That pretty much describes this match here. Yeah, and um, Bobby and Walker I'll- can't even really keep up with uh, Z-Man. And Z-Man, they just seem to not really have anything for him because they've just kind of bounced him around. He's tagged with Brad Armstrong. He's tagged with Marcus Bagwell. Now they have him kind of in a veteran role with the younger Bobby Walker. It's like they're just trying to give him something to do until they get rid of him or his contract runs out or I don't know. But um, Z-Man was once a popular character in the early 90s, a couple years prior in WCW. And now it seems like he's... um, He's really fallen to the wayside creatively. Um, Walker would roll up Avery with a hammerlock roll for the Did you win. watch and the replay? Did you watch the replay of that? Rob, Walker gets his head crushed from that dude. Oh, yeah. Jesus Yeah, he, he didn't know how to... Yeah, he couldn't apply it properly. Um, but yeah, I don't know if this is... I. I I feel like what this came across to me was that they're trying to highlight Walker more than they are him and oh, Z-Man yeah. as a tag team. So he's kind of getting the rub from Z-Man, so to speak. Watts um, is like, I need a, I need just... another young black motherfucker. <laughs> I need a backup from a backup from a exactly. backup in case my... my yeah, Tony you know Atlas I mean? like, is the backup like... for Butch Reed. Bobby Walker going to be the backup <laughs> for Ron Simmons. Ron, um, Ron Simmons. Shit. I, I got to figure <laughs> oh, this out. God. Yeah. Oh, man. That's fucking Bill unreal. We're, we're going Sorry. to hell. Um, that's okay. We're going to go to commercial and come back, and JR is with Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham discussing their issues as a tag team. Um, and then they cut to the clips from last week's main event when Barry comes out late and pulls Dustin off the ring apron. Um, they both downplay the issues that they have problems. Um and uh, Wyndham kind of snaps back at JR and tells him it's none of his business why he was late. Um, and then shifts the conversation to looking forward to their tag team title defense against Gordy and Doc at Halloween Havoc. Um, yeah, you can see. Go to commercial. You can see, sorry. You can see Dustin kind of taking a little bit of a backseat um, in the yep. role. But Wyndham is uh, a little more fiery. But Dustin is also yeah. like, you know what? He's my he's my mentor, or he's a guy I look up to. So you can see that. Yep. It's like it's like it's like um, a brother dynamic in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think even Dustin said something at one point, um, or he he'll go on to say something. Uh, not to spoil too much, but like we're like brothers. We grew up together. I've known Barry since I was a little kid. Like brothers fight. Like this is you know this is 
this is a small little bump in the road kind of a kind of a vibe that that he's putting off even though they're even though it appears to be um the issue appears to be bigger than it is dustin's kind of downplaying it and using the family dynamic yeah to cover it up it's a really well well done um, storyline the way that they the way that they uh hash it out throughout the weeks and months as we'll see yeah yeah it's been yeah it's been pretty good so far um Come back from the commercial break, and it's ravishing Rick Rude against Tommy Angel. Um, Rude does his usual, uh, you know, keep the noise down while I take my robe off and show you what a sexy man and the world champion, the next world champion is going to look like, blah, 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 blah. Um, pretty much he had his way with, with, with this Tommy Angel guy the whole match. Uh, yeah. Um, he, he gave him more some hype stuff for the, too. Yeah, more hype for the match with Chono at Halloween Havoc from JR and commentary, and we get Rick Rude defeating Tommy Angel with the Rude Awakening. Oh, yeah, and um, he didn't bust that move out during the tournament that they called to as well. So he only used oh, a, yes, that's right. a flying knee, uh, I think, uh-huh. during the NWA tournament. Um, so yep. so they're, they're kind of foreshadowing or giving us a little more wrestling storytelling of the way Japanese wrestling does uh, so well for new mm-hmm. Japan right now. It's like a guy never busts out yeah. his super move, but wait until he does. And will it put that guy away? You know, th- that's really yeah. good wrestling psychology. Yes. No, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. Um, post-match, we get a uh, promo from Rick Rude with JR and Bill Watts joins him. And we start to get some answers to some of our questions that we've had the last few weeks regarding the status of the dangerous Alliance. Um, uh, we get, um, you know, Watts asked uh, Rude what the status of the relationship was with he has with Paulie dangerously. Rude reveals that Paul has had some issues and they've gone their separate ways, but they still maintain a solid working relationship. And he does kind of have some involvement in his wrestling career. Makes works out some of his deals. I still guess you has could say options on their contract. He says. Yeah, opt- that's that's the terminology I was looking for. Thank you very much. Um, Watts then here. reveals to Rick Rude that dangerously booked Rude in a United States Championship match at Halloween Havoc, defending his title against Nikita Koloff in a no-disqualification match with Medusa banned from ringside, yeah. which kind of throws Rude off, and he's wondering what the heck's going on. Um, and then... Uh, Rude says that, you know, I'm not going to defend the title. I've already got a match with Chono. You can't make me defend it twice in one night. And Watts declares that Rude must defend the title or he won't get a shot at Chono later in the evening. Um, Rude seems pretty irate about it as we get to, as we head to a commercial. Yeah, that's um, and, um, pretty, pretty intense stuff there. Um, just uh, booking the guy twice on a card. Um, yeah, I and felt kind of bad for it, him, but at the same time, it's like, well, you know, he, he's a heel. He, he can, yep. if he has the dangerous alliance or we'll see what he can do during this or who he chooses as his referee as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know a, a lot of stuff going on there with that. And I don't know what they're trying to set up with Heyman. Um, as you and I know, eventually he'll be gone. Um, so yeah. I don't know if it was a way to kind of start to write him off. Um, yeah, I don't know if the, yeah, honestly, I really don't know. Um, because from what I remember hearing was that Heyman's exit was from the company in real life was abrupt. Um, 
and it just it wasn't something that they had planned i guess you could hmm. say so um maybe this was maybe maybe this was their way of breaking up the dangerous alliance and they were going to you know figure out something else for Heyman to do and and rude and all the other guys it seemed like they were all kind of going their separate ways um yeah it really did from time to time in the last few weeks between Anderson and Eaton, you know, being managed by Michael Hayes, but then Hayes would kind of still um, associate with the Dangerous Alliance. Um, you know, then Rude and Medusa doing and their own Steve thing, stunning Steve. with Pillman, yeah, it's a little different. With Pillman, yeah. So, like, there was a lot of, like, testing out. But you also got to remember, too um, – you and I, we don't have access to the yeah, other we, footage we of the other shows. Too, so. Worldwide yeah. and pro and power hour and all that stuff. So, I mean, you know, a lot of these developments could have taken place on these other shows as well. Just kind of answering the questions that we have for this timeline. But we're, you know, we're strictly following the Saturday night timeline like there's no other show out there. So um, <laughs> Absolutely. There, there could be some some holes filled in other areas. Um, no pun intended. Um, Sherry. Yeah. Um, Hey, real quick during the, during the Rick rude match, uh, Jr is on commentary and he says, folks call the hotline, uh, interesting news of a major championship changing hands. He's talking about the WWF title. Oh, really? Yes, he is. They WCW did that shit all the time. I remember them doing stuff like that. Yeah. I just, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that's very cool. Uh, yeah. So that I, I, it's also weird because, you know, there's that story of Bret Hart possibly going to the WCW around this time. And that's why he potentially was pushed to the WWF title. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. I remember hearing some rumblings about so that. So he had the Intercontinental Championship, and there's there the rumor that Vince was scared that his contract was coming up, um, and he was going to bring that title over to WCW programming, um, basically in retaliation to uh, Ric Flair coming out with the w- with the big gold belt on TV. Yeah. So uh, oh, that's yes. why the Mountie exchange happened, and that's why Brett came back and then eventually yep. got a bigger contract and beat Rowdy Piper. And then eventually, yeah. uh, you know, within the year he would be able to become the champion. I think he wrote it into his contract. He was probably like, Brett, let me, pr- or Vince, let me prove it to you. But I don't know. Those are all rumor and innuendo. That's right. That's right. Um, where are we at now? Oh, we, we come back from the commercial. No, that's okay. That's all right. We come back from the commercial, and we have Cactus Jack accompanying Tony Atlas to the ring for his match against Larry Santo. Um, <laughs> Tony Atlas, everybody, with that same gear. We had another week, and you yeah, couldn't fucking put anything Sweatpants and the whiteout skull tank top. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Jim Ross calls him dominant and belligerent, him. and he's right yeah, about the well, last that's one. probably yeah. true. Yeah, belligerent. Yeah, he manhandled Santo the entire time. Um, as Jr. is going over Atlas's prior accolades in the weightlifting world, um, Atlas would get the win with the full Nelson. Um, we go to commercial, come back from the break, and it's the Halloween Havoc Control Center with good old Jr. Jim Ross. Again, I had to plug um, everything that, up here, Vince. I, I just yeah. ran the damn HDMI to the VGA and then down to the UA cable, <laughs> and I got an antenna in the back. Did you say that he ran the HDMI to the V-A-G-I-N-A? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> but that's what it sounded like. <laughs> I ran that HDMI to the vagina, and then. <laughs> That's, and then that thing got a little wet. I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> that's how Jim. Yeah, I wouldn't it. be surprised if that's how Jim talks on his podcast. Now I've heard a couple of his episodes. He's gotten. Dude, you got to listen to the most recent he's one. He's a little dirty. Uh, the, the, you got to listen to the most recent one, uh, Taboo Tuesday. Okay. Uh, they cover the 2004 Taboo Tuesday. First of all, the, the show usually drops at 6 a.m. on Thursdays, but it didn't drop till late Thursday evening, Friday morning, I okay. believe, and. Holy cow, JR had the worst travel day ever, and he, and he was on fucking fire. He was talking all kinds of shit about everything, between people on Twitter giving him a hard time about his commentary, to, to John Laurinaitis. Like, go out of your way to listen to okay. it. He is on a fucking cool. roll. Conrad was like, we're taping every fucking Thursday once you get off the plane. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounded like JR's travel day was just went straight to hell. He was pissed, oh, but he, he sounded, yeah, it was, it was, it was unreal. Um, so it's the Halloween Havoc Control Center, and we get Sting commenting on signing the liability waiver, claiming that he has no issues signing it whatsoever as long as he can get his hands on Jake the Snake. And then we get JR talking to the green screen as we see Dustin and Barry um, on the screen, and he, he asks them once again about their issues as a tag team. And as Dustin goes to answer jr's questions barry windham cuts him off immediately and talks about the media twisting things and twisting their words and discussing their personal lives and then shifting the conversation once again to the match at the pay-per-view against gordian doc and declaring a victory over them i thought this was um i thought this was a nice touch like we've talked about just moments ago um you know they, they've been downplaying the issue and bringing up the whole, you know, brotherhood and family and mentor kind of vibe to cover it up. And Wyndham was a little more forceful in this instance by cutting Dustin off. And Dustin didn't blink an eye, which I thought was interesting, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, this has like, been yep. a good. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Let's see. He had. Yeah. He, he let it happen. Um, then we get clips from last week when. Uh, um. Bill Watts um, announces the, the the referee choices for Rude and Chono, um, and then we get Jr. Um, cuts to Tony Schiavone, who runs down the entire card for Halloween Havoc 1992. We go to commercial and come back, and it's Jr. interviewing Ron Simmons in studio, who discusses his match with the Barbarian. Um, at the pay-per-view. Simmons says he's got one thing Barbarian doesn't, and that's pride, and that's going to get him through this, his training and get him through the match at the pay-per-view. Yeah, the fans are going um, nuts for Ron, too, in the crowd. They're doing the Florida Seminole uh, thing. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, the the yeah, the the yeah top, well, I mean, you could say Florida Seminole, you could say Atlanta Braves, the Tomahawk right. Chop. Oh, um, but wasn't he yeah. a Seminole? I think he was a Seminole, so. He was a Seminole, yeah. He, he was a Florida Seminole, uh, and they used to do that quite often. And then the Braves baseball team. Uh, right there in Atlanta. That, um, that chant, so I think the local crowd kind of, you know, took to it because of the Braves, but who knows. Um Simmons will stay on commentary as we get the next match with Eric Watts coming out wearing his sister's yoga pants to face Mike Thor. Um, He's like the generic the good thing Kane about this without the mask. It's like the build a wrestler, like the first steps to building Kane. 
It's yeah, it's like the prototype of the action figure before you actually like or before dress you it up, add yeah. the attributes or like the size or anything to your character. It's yeah. like the base character. Yeah. <laughs> Eric the only good everybody. thing about this segment was Ron Simmons on commentary. Everything else sucked. Um, Watts won with a roll-up, and nobody fucking cared. Uh, next, um, we cut to Cactus Jack in a pre-tape with a sledgehammer discussing Ron Simmons' fate at Halloween Havoc. Uh, I, I think these Cactus pre-tape segments have been pretty well done with the Barbarian. He had one with the um, the... The pulling the truck a couple of weeks ago, um, the the in-ring training, all this stuff that they've been taping, I thought has been done pretty well. Um, we see yeah, Cactus smashing cinder blocks vignette. over the back of the Barbarian. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, the vignettes are great. It's just showing the strength of the Barbarian. Um, yeah, they, it's building him up. Yeah, they, they did this in a way, too, where it wasn't like... I don't know, you know, WWF had it to where they would have vignettes before the character appeared. This is while he was yeah. wrestling and being dominant in the ring and burying people. Um, it, yeah. it was good. It was a good way to build. Yeah, no, it was good stuff. Um, he smashes cinder blocks over the back of the barbarian. His barbarian is bent over with that sledgehammer. And then he grabs a two by four over his back as he's verbally motivating the barbarian Um about the match with Ron Simmons at the pay-per-view. Um, he's, you know, taunting him and, uh, you know, just kind of, like I said, just, he's like a motivator. He's not a, he even said it in his promo yes. a couple weeks ago. I'm not a manager. I'm a motivator. Yes. Um, then Barbarian delivers a big boot to a pumpkin that has, that is dressed up like Ron Simmons with Ron's name on it. Um, duct taped, um, to end the segment, which I thought was a, a, a decent little touch. Um, go to commercial and come back and it's tony shivani in his up close segment with paul e dangerously a pre-tape uh, in studio um shivani asks paulie where he's been and what's the status of the dangerous alliance and Heyman responds by saying he's been scouting new talents all over the world um investing the money of the dangerous of the alliance that's right. Um, he Heyman brought up a good analogy. He goes, Ted Turner doesn't go to every Braves game, but he's still in charge. Exactly. Uh, which I thought was a nice little touch. Um, and then he, he reveals he's still got contractual options on stunning Steve Austin, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, as well as Rick Rude. Um who they show that they, they then show a clip of Rick Rude's debut at the previous Halloween Havoc in 1991, a year prior, which really started the Dangerous Alliance. Um, then Shivani asks why Rude is wrestling twice in one night, um, thanks to Paulie's contractual option, and he reveals that he gets a share of Rude's winnings, and that he's confident the caliber of athlete that Rude is that he can handle defending the United States title and winning the NWA World Heavyweight Title. Um, Shivani then asks why Medusa is banned from ringside, and this is where we see the tension beginning between uh, Paulie and Medusa um, as Paulie berates her um, as a manager and claiming she's not the reason behind Rude's success, but it's been him. Um, and then. Uh, Shivani reveals that Rude wants a face-to-face -face with Paul over this open contract issue. And Paul E. looks a little confused, and uh, he has no idea about this meeting. And then he immediately gets offended with Shivani. You get a bunch of yelling and screaming. Um, this was more great. More tongue lashing about Medusa. 
And then Paulie storms off to end the interview. Yeah, I thought this was a good segment as well, really building up the the the, the tension between all parties involved. I thought this was you good. You didn't tell stuff. me you were going to ask um, me about Medusa. You didn't tell me yeah. about the interview. He's fucking going nuts. Uh, it, it was just yeah. great. And then, like you said, the explanation at the beginning of why he's doing this. I mean, he's a swarmy manager, you know, scheming. Um, maybe he's trying to get more money. Maybe he's been blowing their money. I don't know. You know, you got all those questions or, yeah, it's just, it's good stuff. Yeah. Um, we go to commercial and come back from the break and JR is interviewing the Vegas Connection about their issues with Marcus Bagwell. Um, Bagwell set to face DEP on main event tomorrow, but before that, he's got Vinny Vegas Ooh. tonight. JR cuts to another rundown of the Halloween Havoc card, which seemed very yeah. random. And then we come back and it's Vinny Vegas against Marcus Bagwell. Um yeah, this match was Dude, nothing he, to write But he about. breaks... Uh, 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 he busts his nose pretty good. He breaks good, his yeah. nose with the high knee. Fucking, yeah. Yep, I saw that, yeah. Um, it was... Um, yeah, that was the only highlight of the match. Everything else was just kind of like, eh. Like, they're, they're, they're trying to do something with all these guys. Yeah, Vinny Vegas would say, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I'm going to take this toilet-sized lid hand. I'm going to smack you over the head and hit you and do yeah. that with a fucking shovel. I'm going to shovel. take the toilet-sized no, lid hand and uh, close it on this shitty match. <laughs> Yeah, pretty flush much, you. Yeah. I'm gonna flush. I'm gonna flush this match right down the toilet, just like my quad injury. Oh, it's too soon. Um, yeah, DDP distracts Bagwell, who then gets hit with the shoulder block by Vinny Vegas for the win. Um, we go to commercial and come back, and Jr. intros footage from Worldwide of Austin and Pillman challenging Scott Steiner and a partner of his choice to a match. Uh, Rick is currently out with a shoulder injury at this time, so Steiner had to pick a partner, and he picked Bagwell. Um, and they show clips of the match, and uh, Arn Anderson comes out attacking Bagwell while the referee is distracted. Um, which show, which then leads to Steiner being outnumbered by both Austin and Pillman. Steiner's not happy about this, wondering where his partner is, and then we later see him attack Bagwell and leaving him to get beat by stunning Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, which would set up the, the I guess you could say, the heel turn of Scott Steiner. Um, this was during a period of time behind the scenes that I rem remember hearing um, in recent years that they wanted to make Scott Steiner a singles wrestler, and he... Wasn't too receptive to the idea, but with Rick injured, he still had to make money too. You know, he still had to get paid as well. So, um, this was this would eventually lead to this. This would be the start of the reasons why the Steiners left the WCW to go to WWF towards the end of '92. But we'll get to that in a in a in a little bit. Um, then get an interview with Jesse Ventura from that match post match. Um, and Scott really doesn't want to talk about why he attacked Bagwell, but rather his upcoming title match with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You can see some early shades of Big Papa Pump here in this promo. Yeah, I don't want to talk about I that. Was I can't do that much math right now, but damn. Yeah, you can. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and then we get, cut the clips of his match with Steamboat where he beats him with a roll-up for the victory and becomes the new television champion, which is... Uh, Rather yeah. interesting. Um, then JR ponders Scott Steiner's sportsmanship um, as he hypes up the hotline going into the break. Seems like there's going to be some scoop on, uh, on on Steiner. At least he kind of tied the two in together. Um, before that, we get before the commercial, we get another we get a Halloween Havoc party 
Uh, clips from a Halloween Havoc party with some random redneck family painting their faces like Sting. Um, Stang. Yeah. Yeah. Stang. Yeah. This was this was a uh, stupid. Um, come back from the commercial and we're replaying Bill Watts's announcement regarding the United States Championship match um, for Halloween Havoc. Just to remind us all that, you know, they're out to screw Rick Rude once again. And then we get our main event which is stunning Steve Austin going one-on-one with Scott Steiner wow. for the world television now, there's title. A match. Now, that, that, on paper, you look at that and you're like, wow, that's great. But watching this match, first of all, two things. Number one, it was okay. I was expecting a little more from the two. But secondly, they ran out of TV time, so the match ended. And I was f- very disappointed. Very disappointed. Like, l- let me put it to you this way. In 2019... If anyone did that, and I'm not talking just WWE, but I mean, WWE would probably get a lot of shit for it from the the millennial wrestling fans out there. But if any wrestling organization did that, like, oh, we ran out of time, there's no finish, and you go off the air, people would lose their fucking minds. There's no way. There was so much access to, like, uploading, like, simultaneously, like, right there or instantaneously. Like, there is no way. People would be so pissed. They would be like, why yeah. hold off for a week or why do that? You know, you can you can get away with it in 1992. But my God, like, like holy shit. Like nowadays, if you were to do something like that, people would be like, what the fuck? It'd be on Twitter immediately. Yeah. It, it, so that was the end of the show. There is television time had run out when they were continuing the match with Scott Steiner and uh, stunning Steve Austin for the TV title. And that ends WCW Saturday night. Ooh, good episode. Yeah, I mean, slightly better than I. I, th- I say this was slightly better than Superstars, but not 10. by much. Six out of ten, or five point five out of ten. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's that, that's probably that's probably fair yeah. to say. Um, agreed. It, it, not even the best matches on. You know, I mean, Pillman and Douglas was all right. Um, yeah. Ah, man. So this is you know they have those ebbs and flow weeks we're still building for halloween havoc so we'll see how that yep. uh kind of like a go home show or week is building up for that yeah. and then you and i might be running down the coal miners glove match maybe, maybe. just maybe all right so that's about it for this week of marking out the day's weekend warriors thank you everybody for joining us dave you want to sign us off and uh, we will get out of here yeah, thank you all so very much for, uh, for for listening to episode 26 from October the 17th, 1992. You can find all the links to all of our archive shows. Marking out the day's weekend, Warriors kicking out at 2, Hulkamania's Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Origins of Attitude, all those great shows. You can find all those links over in the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Just search Retro with a W. You'll find all those shows there. You can do the same thing on any podcast platform available, whether it's uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify. You can find all of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network shows over there by searching Retromania with a W. And with that being said, I think it's about that time that we uh, we, we call it a day here on Weekend Warriors. We will see you all next week. See you.